Welcome to Furfluencers. I'm your host, Anya Alvarez. And I'm Julia McInnes. And this is the podcast that goes behind the scenes with some of the most loved animal influencers on the internet. And Julia, I think we need to explain to our audience a little bit of how we came up with this idea, why we decided we wanted to spend time talking with owners of dogs, of goats, of pigs, and why we are deciding that this is our new life purpose. Love it. Love it. I mean, so what is this podcast? It's called Furfluencers. And I guess, you know, high level, what are we doing? We are interviewing the uh, parents of some of the internet's most well-known critters. Going to be focusing heavily on dogs because we have a dog bias, but definitely including other animals as well. And I think like the hope in talking to, at least for me, the hope in talking to these people is just kind of discovering, you know, why and how they created such vivid personalities for their pets online. Like, I just think it's so interesting. And there are so many Instagram accounts where I'm like, I wish I could talk to that person and ask like, how, how did you create this? How did you create this following for your pet? And I guess selfishly for me, this is the way, way to do it. Well, I think too, so you and I, we both got dogs during the pandemic. And I think when we both got our dogs, we got them close to around the same time. I think it was in a couple month period that I, I got Ruthie and you got Smudge. And you and I just started sending each other a ton of content that we would find mostly on Instagram or sometimes some feel good stories about animals that we would send to each other. And I think we realized that we were equally obsessed with just watching a lot, just watching animals on the internet. And we felt good whenever we saw an animal video and we'd want to share it with each other. And I remember though, you started an Instagram account for (laughs) smudge and you, it started like doing pretty well for how young of an account it was. And you were like, Oh, maybe I got something here. Maybe I can turn smudge into a a furfluencer and you started doing research on what that world looked like and then you realize that this world is just absolutely insane and nobody's talking about it and we needed to talk about it (laughs) living i personally think i personally think they are living vicariously through their animals and creating the persona that they wish they could be and we're living vicariously through them. I, I love yeah. how you said that. Like, because like two things. Yeah, this is this is so good. Because one, you know, like the pandemic had a, a lot to do with this. And I think in two ways. Like we were looking for things that were comforting, that made us happy. There was so much confusion, sadness, awfulness going on. Everybody was stressed. And I personally like really enjoyed the dodo like more than ever during this period. I like found out about Dolly Potton on Instagram and just like her presence like brought me like joy every morning when everything else was very again like stressful and confusing but then to your point like we also both got dogs and I think I don't know that we would have gotten him you had we not been at home during the pandemic and I also don't know that I would have created an Instagram account for him if I wasn't at home and not having to deal with commutes and the usual like chaos of a work day, but just being, you know, upstate living in my parents' house and not being able to go anywhere and it's winter and it's cold. 
I spent so much time on doggy Instagram and that's where I, uh, you know, I got, I got the bite, <laughs> if you will. God, that was horrible. No, I mean, it's, it's what happened though. And I think, you know, especially once we got our dogs, we, they just infused so much joy into our day-to-day lives. Right. And I, and I really, you know, from a personal standpoint, she added so much structure to my life that was lacking because suddenly you're working from home all day. You don't, you can't go anywhere and do anything. So she helped me create a routine that I desperately needed in my day-to-day life that I didn't have for the first year of the pandemic really. And, um, you know, our backgrounds are both in sports media. We've, 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 our producers in the sports world and, I think too, it was nice to focus on stories that weren't about sports and focus on other things that bring us joy as much as we love the sports world. What a hundred percent, just dig into another passion and just take a break from what we were working on. And you're right, like your point about, you know, they added structure to our, yeah, I didn't think about that. Like he, I, I like to think that first he caused chaos. Like you got a dog who's, Ruthie was how old when you got her? She was two. She was four. Four. Okay, so she's older. She's been trained, you know, all that stuff. We got a puppy. So I had, like, a loose routine, and then he completely blew that up with his own scheduled needs. And then, you know, once we kind of hit reset, suddenly we had, like, a much better structure. But because of, you know, his schedule, like, I had a lot of downtime at, you know, 5 a.m. after his first walk. You know, I'm on the couch and just lying there miserable and sleep deprived and tired, clutching, you know, a cup of coffee. And I'm on doggy Instagram and I feel like most of my content went up like before 6 a.m. every day. Yeah, I I definitely, I mean, first of all, I wake up much earlier now because of her because it's like, all right, got to take her for a walk. And I don't take her on little bitch walks. I take her on long walks. She goes on long walks in the morning. I get my cup of coffee, I fire up a podcast or listen to the daily or something. (laughs) We go to the dog park. It's this huge field where she runs around for like 45 minutes with all her little friends. We walk 15 minutes back. She comes home, she lays down, eats her food, and she's like kind of pooped for the day. And it's great. And then for me too, on days where... I'm like, God, I just, I really want to sleep or I don't want to go out. As soon as I step outside with her, I honestly, my, my mood levels go way up, even if I didn't feel like being out there um, beforehand. I definitely think it's improved my life in a variety of ways. And then also just the content side of it. Absolutely. Like if I'm feeling down, I will go to the Dodo or I will go to different animal accounts that I follow on Instagram and easily watch an hour sometimes of just little short videos of animals just being cute and sweet. <laughs> totally agree. Like that's, I relate to that you know, so much, but you also, you said something, you're like, oh, I fire up a podcast and I go to the park. And for me, like part of the inspiration for doing this was actually, it's not just like, oh, I wish I could talk to these people, you know, the, the humans behind these like wild you know, dog Instagram accounts. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, what what's funny about these accounts, right, is these, first of all, the animals, they can't talk. It's not like your traditional content YouTuber creator, right, where they're, where they're, where you kind of, you get a sense of who they are as a person by the type of content they're creating, right? So the content that's being created 
of these animals is through the lens of the person who owns this animal, right? And that to me is a fascinating part of, you know, you started your you started your account for different reasons. I'm sure other people just started an account for fun for their animal and it kind of blew up and they didn't realize. I mean, Grumpy the Cat, I think, is a perfect example of one of like the OG, the OG animal influencer, right? Where this woman, if I remember correctly, she was a waitress and started posting photos of her cat. It blew up on the internet. She was able to trademark it, made a lot of money, quit her job. They made a movie about this cat based, you know, centered around Grumpy Cat. And it changed her life. And I don't think she got this cat with the mindset that, oh, I'm going to make this cat internet famous and get wealthy off of this cat. And I doubt that a lot of people who's running, who are running these accounts for the animals are thinking that. Um, but I also think there are probably people who do get animals now and probably seek out animals Absolutely. who are interesting looking or kind of goofy or something with the mindset that maybe they can turn them into an animal influencer I don't know how I feel about that personally, as long as they're taking care of that animal and showing it love. Um, but I think there's an ethics conversation to have around that too of, is that the moral thing to do? And as you know, I've, I started an account for Ruthie. I haven't posted in about a month on that account. And prior to that, it was like oh, yeah. four on. or five months. <laughs> I know, I just don't, you know, she, I think she fits well into my personal page because Ruthie is part of me. So we're kind of like the dynamic duo, right? Like my page is her page. I don't feel the need right now to make her a furfluencer. I don't think she particularly likes it either. Um, she never looks happy. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. Does she not look happy because you're putting her on Instagram? Does she not look happy because she knows you're about to bring her on an airplane again? <laughs> For, for people who don't know, Anya travels a lot with Ruthie, and Ruthie is so good, but I sometimes wonder, I'm like, when's Ruthie going to say, Mom, I swear to God, if you put me on one more flight? <laughs> you know, people, uh, I've noticed this, again, from Smudge's Instagram account, and just to backtrack, I created that account for the opposite reason that you did, which is I did not think that my friends and family wanted to see just dog photos if they were following me. And so I felt like I was doing people a courtesy by making like a dedicated dog account page. So if you want to see smudge content, here is a dedicated place for it. A lot of people I know are having babies and suddenly babies have taken over my Instagram feed. And it's nice, but I was thinking maybe the baby should have their own pages that I could like mm. opt into to see. Um, <laughs> I haven't shared that with anybody. But we, probably we shouldn't. can admit that dogs are better than babies right like oh, this I is a safe so. space to say that <laughs> totally and I was like that's why he gets his own account but I did notice you know people are I can weed out like who is authentic in their online dog account even if the dog has like a really clear persona like Finn the Aussie he's one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow and it's just like so genuine and so real. And I suspect that's part of why he's become so popular. And in contrast, I know other accounts that are, they're trying to make it and they're doing these gimmicky things. Like there's one account I've seen where like they dress up the dog and like, I don't know, different sweet rare outfits each day and the dog's DJing. And it's just so contrived and fake. It's like, well, that's not even like fun anymore. And I really do think that the secret to a lot of these 
you know, pages, at least at the start, is that there is this like very like genuine quality to them in addition to a lot of creativity. Well, also, I think, I mean, you, you talked about Dolly Pond, and I think that's, you know, one of my favorite accounts between that and uh, the Dark Lord, which is a Sphinx cat who I am absolutely obsessed with. They, the owners of those accounts write the best captions. Like, honestly, the captions are worth the follow in and of itself. Um, but they, the captions are so well written in a way that whatever photo they've chosen or video they've chosen to, to pair it with, it like, it fits perfectly. And it, it really brings to life the photo even more, I guess that, that to me is the interesting part is how do you get your head to think in a way around how like an animal would say this, or if they were able to talk. It really does impress me. Like your point about just the comedy of it, the creativity, just the writing ability too. And when all of that comes together on some of these pages, it's just, it's truly impressive for people whose day jobs are so, so different from like the skill set that, you know, they're bringing to, to these accounts. Well, it takes time though too, right? I mean, I think that's the big piece of it is um, these, you know, any, any creator, human, animal, whatever, <laughs> it, it takes time to really cultivate who your online persona is. And, you know, I bet if you spent a couple hours a day just focusing on smudge content and your, your Instagram page, you could probably grow it quite a bit. And so you and I both know having worked in, in the content space, it takes a lot of work. And so all of these content creators, whether they're just, you know, just like YouTube influencers who, who are just humans, the amount of time that goes into to creating the content that they do for their personal pages is a lot. And to do that with an animal, I'm assuming it's the same type of work in different cases. And I think the other interesting side of it too that you and I have discussed is there's different types of animal influencers. I follow yes. a lot of animal sanctuary accounts as well that have huge followings, ones that focus on goats, one that focus on pigs, another one that focuses on rescuing foxes and I think there's, and they've built, they've created personalities out of these little animals that they have rescued and have saved. And I think there's something interesting there. And I'm, I'm curious too, how the animal sanctuary world views the world of people who have animals that are profiting off of them. And I'm sure there is some sort of conflict there too, that we haven't ever really seen discussed before either yeah that's interesting because i'm thinking like for me and you've shared a lot of those accounts with me and it just it's brought awareness about certain you know like ethical environmental issues that i was aware of but like a lot of these accounts drove them home for me in a deeper way because you suddenly had this like connection to miles the goat or whoever it is but i i agree that for every person who sees these pages and has that type of response are going to be people as well who are like, oh, I want a pet fox. You know, that looks cute. That looks easy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's funny, like you say, oh, I want to get a fox. I There's an account that I follow called Juniper Fox, and she rescues foxes. And she, I think she has a couple right now living with her. Um, but I've learned a lot from her page around 
what it actually means to rescue a fox. Apparently they stink. And so Ooh, her house really? just smells all the time. Oh, it doesn't God. matter. They just have this like unique smell that no matter what, you just you, you just accept it as part of like the the um, process like of a, taking care. We of We need to animals. express these anal glands smell or something. Totally I, I don't remember. I don't remember how she described it, but she because you know a lot of people in her comments will leave something along the lines of "Oh God, I really want to get a fox," and I think. Her, you know, just from how I see she, how she posts about things, she, she's using her platform. She has like 3 million followers on her Instagram page, but really using her platform to say like, this is not easy. Like rescuing a fox is a full-time job and this isn't like getting a dog or a cat. It's a totally different process and routine that you have to go to to properly take care of these these animals like to your point i think there there's an interesting um area to explore around the responsibility that a lot of these animal influencers feel that they have to educate their followers around um one if they have a specific breed like you and you know an aussie that that needed a different type of level of care and attention now ruthie I don't know. I haven't seen anybody like <laughs> post anything on how to take care of an angel. When people stop me, whether like it's on the street, we're in an elevator, we're at a restaurant and they're like, oh, I love your dog. Like, and they start asking like questions like, how do I get one? And I'm like, you don't want one. They shed. They'll destroy your apartment if you don't play with them. You need to spend like years training them. Like, I just go through this whole laundry list. I'm like, I love him and he is great. But if you are not going to commit to that and I didn't even fully understand the extent of it. Like, if you live alone and you're by yourself, do not get one of these. Bad, yeah. bad dog for a single person. Um, yeah, no, I warn people, run. Go, go get a doodle. There's so many different types of ways that animals influence our day-to-day -day lives that we don't even realize, right? There's a lot of brands that have been started that are focused around animals in the last few years, right? And we've just seen this huge uptick of them. And I know from my personal experience as someone who is the perfect target for a targeted ad. I will buy whatever you put on my Instagram feed <laughs> if it's for my dog and I think it's cute. I, I mean, that that influences my behavior, right? Of like how I view and treat my animal. And I think that's a really interesting space. There are athletes like Gus Kentworthy, who's, in a, who's an Olympian and he rescued a dog at the Russian Olympics a few years ago, and now he's kind of turned his rescue dog into a furfluencer, but really focused on bringing awareness to animal rescue and the importance of, um, you know, if you can get a dog from a shelter. And then you have women like Rachel Ray, who yes. started a food, you know, company centered around an, uh, cats and dogs. And I believe a large portion of the uh, revenue goes towards animal rescue too. But those are people who have influenced the dog space and their their animals aren't necessarily furfluencers as much as their owners are using their platforms to bring awareness to how we view our relationships with our animals, which I think is a, a different type of furfluencer, if you will. You know, I know that you and I too have talked about trying to keep this as brand agnostic as possible. And for listeners, just so you know, we're going to be setting up a Patreon for this so you can support this. Okay. What? Why are you laughing? I'm going to plug the Patreon. <laughs> <You> were... <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. Keep going. 
no, pay for our Patreon. You'll get the best animal content, best discussions around your favorite animals on the internet. But I think that's something that you and I have talked about too, is we don't, we want to be careful of what we're pushing because we, we genuinely love our animals and we would never want to push a product on anyone just because we can make some money off of it. You know, I think that that Absolutely. for us is something that, that means a lot to us. And, you know, we already have brands knocking at our door and just, oh, yeah. you know, just, with, the rumors, with the rumors <laughs> of this podcast getting started, it's, you know, we're having to say no. So, you know, just support our Patreon and we won't have to poison animals to keep this going. <laughs> I listen. I am so excited to to do this with you. I think we're gonna have so much fun, and I really, I really believe that listeners are going to enjoy what the the kind of conversations we're gonna have because I think it's gonna go so much deeper than just like how did you make your animal into a, a fur fluencer? There's so many more layers to it because our relationships with our dogs, with our animals, are very complex. And I think we sometimes take for granted how much joy and positivity animals add into our day-to-day lives. And I really hope with this podcast, we're able to really shine a light on the importance of being good stewards of the earth and the animals that inhabit the earth and how to take care of them, but also how to be better pet owners too. Because if there's something that I can do that is better for Ruthie. I want to learn that so that I can be a better pet owner for her because, you know, the sad part, as we all know, you know, we outlive our animals. And so the goal is to make their lives for the short times that they are here with us as good and as best as possible. Anya, you're going to make me and everybody else cry now. (laughs) You're right though. Like our, when we started going to uh, like doggy school, our trainer, she basically said, like, this is as much about, if not more about training you than it is training him. And I think, you know, going, bringing this back to you know, these different critters online and their accounts, like, yeah, they make us laugh and they're entertaining. But I hope at the end of the day, people realize that there's a lot to learn from them in terms of, you know, compassion and empathy and all these other things that are so important, but we sometimes don't for whatever reason, we're sometimes less receptive to it, human to human. But you know, when you bring animals into it, sometimes people will be open, more open-minded to that stuff. And how can we take the compassion and love that we have for animals Definitely. and also infuse that into our day-to-day lives with our human interactions? I think that's the best possible note to end on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, for listening. Don't forget about our Patreon. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to like the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to this on so that we can continue to bring you more of our wonderful insights into this space. Love it, Anya. Can't wait to talk to you next. (laughs) Woof, woof. Yeah, for the gram, everybody. (laughs) See you later.